Welcome to Dynasty Life. I'm Theo Greminger. Redraft ends, but Dynasty is life. And we're going to keep these things going. It's February now. I got the heavy hitters lined up for Dynasty Life. Ray Garvin of Destination Devi. One of the best follows there is when it comes to prospect evaluation, when it comes to Dynasty theory, when it comes to being a Dynasty manager, being sharp in this game. Uh, definitely I'm really excited to hear what Ray has to say. We're going to dive into this 2024 class, but I got to welcome you in, Ray. Super Bowl was this past weekend. We get that like unimportant stuff out of the way, and now we can talk about Dynasty and this 2024 rookie class. How are you doing over there, man? Theo, we have been trying to do this for months now, but you know what? I say things work out at the right time, at the perfect time, and I think this is a great time to dive into this as the combine's about to kick off in a couple of weeks, post-senior bowl reactions, a lot of different takes out there, so Man, to be on with one of the hardest working men in damn fantasy football, you, my friend, not me. I'm talking about you, Theo. Um, anytime you ask, can I come on? It's an automatic, baby. So I'm excited for this. And we're not going to spoil everything, but I'm excited for some draft plans as well. No, yeah, for sure. There's some cool stuff in the future, definitely with you guys and with us as well. You guys are are putting out just fantastic content continually. Love the stuff that you do with Scott. Um, you know, you guys are really building something great over there. So highly recommend if you're not following Ray and all the people he's involved with, follow those guys. But Ray, you know, before we get into the rookies, I ask everybody this question. You know, last time you were on with me on uh, press coverage, we were talking redraft. So, you know, maybe we're mid NFL season then. Now we have a lot more kind of like uh, a lot more information. Uh, but when we talked about uh, positive surprise and redraft, like that's cool. I get a guy for a couple of months. He helps me win one season. But when I can hit on that right player in Dynasty, it can help me for years and years and years, especially if it's a guy in a rookie draft. So with excluding Puka Nakua, who you got the receipts for that guy, uh, who was your biggest positive surprise in Dynasty this year? So you're telling me I can't talk about no. the player that I actually talked about here can't on Player Profiler in February? Uh, no, nah, it's all good, man. And I'll give you, think... and I'll give you, I'll give you a shout out because this was like early Puka time when you came on, and I talked to Scott Connor, and then I talked to you, and this was super early Puka where people didn't know what to do with him in Dynasty, and it was like Ray, should we flip Puka for a first? And mm-hmm. you absolutely were talking about how he is, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown potential way back then and that was only four games in the book so right now he's a first round pick on on underdog if you would have sold him for a random uh 2024 first that was not like marvin harrison jr malik neighbors then you'd roma dunze maybe maybe then you'd feel kind of gross about what you did so you know a big shout out to you and scott you guys were spot on with being ahead um, of the market with with puka and you gave people sound, uh, actionable advice because right now you can flip them for a ton more than that. So yeah, go, go on your other your other player, I, but I have to give I, you your receipts on that. I will say it was another high end fantasy asset, and I posed the question the entire process, Theo. I said this young man is going to put everybody's process to the test, and he absolutely did, and he smashed for us in fantasy when he was on the field. And I finally got one right out of Texas A&M. It wasn't Isaiah Spiller, but it was Devon Achan. And that was a player that just watching him throughout his career at Texas A&M, he had elite game-changing speed. And I said it the entire time. I know he's small. He's not the prototypical build for a running back. But that's the type of cat that you bet on because he has a superpower, Theo. If if I'm looking at a prospect and I can't, it, they don't pop out off the off the off the charts analytically or something. You've got to have a superpower, and his superpower is elite speed. We toss that word elite around a lot, but he clearly has elite speed. So to be right on him amongst the class of running backs, where we thought there were going to be a ton of cats, right? Charbonnet, Kendra, all these guys. For the smallest one to be so impactful, I think what he did. It's not just about being right, Theo. I think Devon H. Han, and Jameer Gibbs, they made everybody go back to the table and reevaluate how we assess the running back position. That the days of the 30-plus carry bell cow, you got to be 6'2", 230, 
They may be coming to an end. So I'm excited because he has truly opened the door for more undersized running backs to enter the NFL. And if given the, the, the landing spot where they can demonstrate that efficiency could be really valuable for us in fantasy. So Devon Achan, for me, everyone talks about Puka Nakua, but Achan was one I was on an island with uh, for a long time. And I'm very, very happy that he played out in the, in the affirmative for us. Achan is, is my guy like that. I, I love hearing you say that this was a guy that I was, I've, I have a, I have a ton of exposure in dynasty and we were pounding the table for him. I got in arguments with people, you know, how are you backing him over a guy like Kendra Miller, um, the prototypical guy versus, you know, this 190 pounder. But I love what you said there because, you know, not only did we have Gibbs, Devon Achan, but you also have James Cook. You also have Kyron Williams. You have Keaton Mitchell in a small sample size where these 190 pound running backs uh, that can, you know, for the most part have elite speed and, and they all can catch the football. These kind of guys are fantastic for fantasy and they fit in with what the NFL is doing with these running back by committee. So I love where your head's at with that on Ray, uh, with, with, with that Ray. And I think we actually might get into trouble where the dynasty community might want to overdraft a bunch of these 185, 190 pound guys yeah. trying to chase the next one. But at least it's uh, we're not like closing the door. We love when it, it's not an outlier when there's like four of them is just my, my kind of my takeaway. But it's not all like roses. We didn't get everything right. Who's one guy that you were maybe high on or maybe Destination Debbie collectively was high on that was super disappointing? And when we get things wrong in like a rookie draft or we get things wrong in a dynasty startup, that hurts. It really hurts a long time. Uh, this is um I, I thought about this one, man, and this is a tough one for me. And it's it's low-hanging fruit, but I was very, very wrong on um I, I was very, very wrong on this player. And we're gonna pivot to Superflex. And he was the number one pick in the draft, Theo. It, it was Bryce Young. Um I'll say this: I am not out on Bryce Young because everything that I've heard talking to a couple of player personnel from the Carolina Panthers, listening to other High-level insiders talk about that situation in Carolina last year. It was bad. But the the problem with Bryce Young is you, if you took him where a lot of us had him, you missed out on C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson, and that's where the burn really hurts. It's It'd be one thing if you drafted Bryce and the other guys were bums and you're like, I just kind of burned a pick there, but the other guys weren't good. But if you took him – because he was the first quarterback, and historically, if you're drafted number one overall, you're going to have opportunity after opportunity to fail. And you took him over C.J. Stroud, which a lot of people were down on him. Remember the S2 scores? You took him over A. Rich because you weren't just uh, you weren't bought into the passing efficiency from college. You like you whiffed in a major way. You could have taken any other damn player in that spot between picks one through six and been in a lot better boat. Bryce Young hurts. I was very wrong on Bryce Young. And, and I, again, I'm not out on him. I want some Bryce Young because I do think the situation gets better, but it still does not erase the sting of missing out on CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Gibbs, Bijan, whomever it is. It doesn't, it doesn't eliminate that pain. Yeah. It's a really tough one because CJ Stroud looks like an all-timer and Anthony Richardson looks like a guy who could be an unbelievable fantasy asset. I will say like, I was very hard on Bryce Young this season uh, but I think it, it gets like kind of expounded, like you said, because of it being surrounded by those elite talents. Um, but there is like a, a light at the end of the tunnel because Dave Canales seems like a quarterback whisperer. Geno Smith was what was his value for any in anywhere before he got attached to Dave Canales. Baker Mayfield looked like a nothing guy. He's had a big bounce back. And then Russell Wilson had his best season ever with Dave Canales. So the guy Canales seems kind of like a, you know, a quarterback whisperer. So we'll see. Um, maybe Bryce Young regains a lot of value. I think right now it might be a time to kind of kick the tires on him because not only is he worth less in Dynasty than, you know, the big two in his own draft class, but he's worth less than three quarterbacks in this draft. And possibly, possibly, possibly after draft day, there could be a fourth in the mix that people would take over Bryce Young. So yeah. uh, that's an interesting one. But, you know, we're I had Josh Larkey on yesterday and we're ranking like, underdog rankings we're basically doing like a redraft best ball type ranking because so we're already keeping our eye on on this season the 2024 season and one question I love asking people it's usually a question that I'd wait till like August uh, July to ask people when we have an idea of the situation but with you Ray 
you, you're, the, you're the busiest guy in fantasy. I might not talk to you again until July. So I want to ask you, if you could know the stats, the final 2024 stats of any single player in football, who would it be? Man, um, this is this is an awful question, first and foremost, because I want to know for a lot. You talked about Anthony Richardson. I want to know what he does. I want to know what he does. I'm going to frame your I'm going to frame the answer like this. Um, I think one of the things that we do in fantasy a lot that we should stop doing is we automatically assume that every year things are just going to go up like an elevator. Things are just going to ascend. Well, the offense was good last year, so it's going to be even better next year. Or, you know, this this play caller was phenomenal this season, so that means it's going to be phenomenal next year. I think there I want to see Theo, I want to see how Bobby Slowick and C.J. Stroud operate in 24. I know he was phenomenal this year. But NFL defenses also have tape on Bobby Slowick. And if you go back and you listen to Sean McVay, when he talked about falling out of love with football and he had to refine all this stuff, like he came into the league and he was the hottest offensive coordinator that we'd ever seen, right? He was being billed as all-time great play caller. And then defenses caught up to him. There were some injuries and things didn't go as well. And he had to reinvent himself. He had to reinvent his offense to, to adjust for the defensive coordinator schemes. I want to see how Bobby Slowick and CJ Stroud progress next year. I want to see how Shane Steichen actually does with Anthony Richardson in 24. Because what we're doing is, well, Gardner Minshew was serviceable in the offense. They almost made the playoffs. They had a top five offense at times. So when you drop Anthony Richardson in automatically, he's just, it's going to be better. Well, we see more times Theo every year, each individual season is a new year. It's a new year. Now you can look at coaching tendencies and say, well, historically this offensive coordinator does this and those offenses fit there, but look at what happens when there's a small dip in that production. Look at how we are viewing the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, because it didn't hum the same way it did under Shane Steichen. Now there's a dip on those guys. Is Jalen Hurts really the guy? I don't know about A.J. Brown. Is he hitting the cliff? I want to see what some of these second-year starters and offensive play callers do in 2024 because I think one of the single biggest things that we do not have in fantasy football, and nobody really talks about it because we don't understand it, it is offensive situations and defensive situations changing year to year and how to use that information and how to react. Nobody really touches on it because people don't really know, so we stay away from it. But it is a big piece of fantasy football, man. I, I love it, and I think that's a super interesting one. Um, you know, like C.J. Stroud, this is a guy where it was kind of like found money last year because you ended up having to spend, you know, a top five pick, but not the 101 in super right. flex. You get 101 value back in a rookie draft. And in dynasty startups, he was extremely uh, affordable. Now, if you're doing a super flex dynasty startup, he's going to go in the top five yep. in every single league. So you better hope. I mean, it's not a hope. When you're taking him there, you need him to be Patrick Mahomes, Hurts, Josh Allen numbers. Um, and I, I think, you know, that's, that's a big, big ask. And, you know, they, they're going to limit his rushing attempts throughout his career there because he's so important to them as a passer. So he's got to also pass for a ton of passing touchdowns to return value there. But we believe in the talent, but the talent doesn't necessarily translate into QB1 season. So I, I, I love that one uh, there. But let's also pivot over to Anthony Richardson because Anthony Richardson, you know, you talked about him with Shane Steichen, but Ray, this guy's going QB5 now in early best balls. But but the gap between him and QB1, he seems to be like that guy that could kind of break fantasy if he stays healthy this season. Um, I know you're drafting a ton of early best ball drafts with, with Scott Connor. How, much, how many times are you guys pressing the button when you're getting a chance to draft Anthony Richardson at this current price? There's nobody on the fantasy football planet that it was more in on a rich than me. I mean, I was pounding the table, a rich one. Oh, I didn't care who asked Matt Kelly, Theo Grimmins. It didn't matter. A rich was one on one in super flex. There's not a chance. I was taking a quarterback uh, running back over the quarterbacks. Now fast forward. It's CJ Stroud should have been one Oh one. I don't know, man. I love a rich. I'm a rich truth or one Oh one, but just to assume that you just plop them in and it's just going to hum from day one. I think that's I think that's a bit of hopium, Theo. And hope is the biggest killer of all fantasy football teams is hope. 
I hope it plays out. I hope. You've got to have some conviction there, and I think he's going to be very good. But if I got to pay QB5 prices for A-Rich, like today, like right now, February 14th, I don't. I think I might pass that tier. I may just – I look at some other things from a roster construction standpoint, but I, I, I've gotten a couple of them because I don't want to miss out. I'm not full fade, but I'm not just slamming the draft button every time I see him there. I want a little bit in case it does happen, but I also want to protect myself and have some insurance just in case it doesn't. One of the most volatile best ball teams that I've drafted so far, it's like Anthony Richardson, Jaden Daniels, and I think I got like – Will Levis is my three quarterbacks. And I'm like, this can go really well, or this can be just up Shit's Creek without a paddle very quickly. So I love him. I want him, but I'm not going to overexpose myself to him. I have so much Jaden Daniels and Drake May as my QB2 in a lot of these best ball drafts. Yes. I think it's I think it's the way to do it because you're trying to win big, and both of those guys are cheaper than Caleb Williams. Uh Caleb Williams is like QB15, uh, like past year got like. I'm into him at that price, but it's less of an edge than like Drake May is like quarterback 24. Correct. Um, so we're going to dive into this 2024 rookie running back class. And it's a little bit controversial because I think Ray and I are a little bit ahead of the community uh, looking at this running back class as a whole uh, right after we take a quick break. Now, I know many of you are looking for a secret weapon for your Dynasty League, and I have it. It's called the Dynasty Dominator app. You go to the App Store, go to Google Play. It's right there. It's $5 to download, and then every year it's $5 to load the next incoming class of rookies. You can add Superflex, add tight end premium. It's incredible because it allows you to look up players. It allows you to vote on whether a player is a buy, hold, or sell, and then see the market sentiment on that player. And you can compare their lifetime value rating from Player Profiler to their Dynasty ADP at the FFPC, all in the price lookup tool. And beyond that, we have a trade analyzer. So you'll never lose another Dynasty trade again. And in our settings, you can set this is a win now team. This is a rebuilding team. And then we let you compare players. Look at their metrics side by side. Prospect metrics, NFL metrics. It's all there. It's five bucks in the app store. There's some add-ons for Superflex and to buy the upcoming rookie class. Every year, you're going to spend $5 on this thing. And it's going to be well worth it. Welcome back to Dynasty Life. Theo Greminger with Ray Garvin. And our, our rookie rankings are up at Player Profiler. So if you want to, you know, if like if you want to figure out the trade value of Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, go ahead. You can you can figure it out using the Dynasty Dominator app. It's awesome. And I use it regularly. But Ray, we've got to talk about this running back class because it's about as beat up a class as I can recall. And certainly we don't have like last year we had Bijan Robinson. And then we had Jameer Gibbs, and, and before Jameer Gibbs landed at 12 overall in Detroit, it was still thought that he was going to be a high second-round pick, maybe a late first-round pick. Uh, then you had a couple other running backs people liked in the class. The year before, we had Brees Hall, um, where there was some people thought he could sneak into the first round, but it was, you know, late first. And then you had, after the combine, especially uh, Ken Walker, you know, he steamed up big time. But this year... There's people making like a lot of predictions where we're not going to see a running back, uh, you know, in, until round three. Uh, I don't necessarily buy into that. Um, there's also people saying that this is a year you don't want to, you know, draft rookie running backs. Avoid it. Take this deep wide receiver class and just kind of forget about the position. I also kind of disagree with that one. I'm kind of into this running back class. I see a lot of guys that could help our fantasy teams. I don't necessarily, I don't think, you know, I know there's not a Bijan Robinson in this class, but there's a lot of guys who have like utility value for our dynasty teams. Um, and I think it's going to end up being a little bit like the 2022 class minus Brees Hall, where a lot of guys hit um, and a lot of guys help us without necessarily giving us top five seasons. You think of the Pachecos, Rashad Whites, James Cooks. I think guys have that kind of range of outcomes. Where are you at on like a big, big picture outlook for this running back class? Yeah, I think people are, I think people, it's easy, it's low-hanging fruit to just dog out the class, say it stinks. The reality is the class is going to provide exactly what the NFL needs, fresh bodies to absorb carries, period, in book. Fresh bodies to absorb carries. When you look around the NFL today, uh, how many elite game-changing running backs are there in the league? Like, if you really start, if you really start to dive into it, it's not as many as you like to think. 
There are a handful of elite game-changing difference makers, Christian McCaffrey being one of them. Other than that, they're bodies that can absorb touches. And the simple fact that we don't have an elite talent like a Bijan Robinson in this class, like a Jameer Gibbs in this class, that's fine. I look at this class and there are so many players that are going to hit spots and they're going to be serviceable backs. Who would have thought that Jalen Warren, Devin Singletary, go down the line, Kyron Williams. I was crucified in 2022 for having Kyron Williams as my RB3. And eventually, if you can just stay active enough and get on the field, like you're going to, you're going to get touches. It's the running back position. Yes, there's no elite talent, but you know what this does? It forces people who don't do their damn homework that do the work. You got to go work to have an original take on the class. It's easy to sit back and say, ah, all these guys suck. They're, none of them are good because you're not doing the work. It's easy when there is a B. John Robinson, then you know two years in advance he's going to be the RB1. You knew two years in advance Jameer Gibbs was going to be a top back in the class. But now when you look at the list, it's like, ah, I don't, none of these guys are B. B. John Robinson. It's no Jameer Gibbs in the class. It's got to stink. That's completely and utterly false. It's inaccurate. And there will be running backs drafted in 2024 that find spots and get opportunity. And you're going to end up picking them up in fantasy and talking about how excited you are to have Dylan Johnson or Cody Schrader or Ray Davis, Marshawn Lloyd, whomever it is, because they are fresh bodies who can absorb carries. Stop with the foolishness, man. Yeah, I love it. You and Scott Connor are becoming like, you know, one mind when it comes to this running back position, Ray, I love it. Um, with just the general dynasty belief, like running backs, like we can look at wide receivers as a long-term asset, tight ends as a long-term asset, quarterbacks as a long-term asset. You might have your starting quarterback for eight years on your dynasty team, but your running back is really a bunch of mercenaries. And then there's a couple of guys who are super elite 20 point per game guys and some of those guys last longer than others. Right now, you can count on like one hand how many guys could net you two firsts and maybe something else on top at the running back position. Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall. Um, and then it starts kind of dwindling down. Yep. And you're, you're starting to look at old guys. So I, I love I love the I love the way you're handling that. So let, like if you had to put money on it, where do you think the NFL values this class? where we think we're going to hear the first name called off the board. I said, you know, the back half of that second round, we're going to hear a running back's name called. Where are you at with that? Right outside of 50, like 54, 58, back into the second round. I think we'll get one taken there. I think we'll get quite a few selected in the third round of the NFL draft. And I believe the NFL, this is just my personal thought and some conversations that I've had, they like this class because they know they can get running backs that can be serviceable on teams that they don't have to spend a damn first round pick on, that they don't have to waste the top 50 pick on, that they'll be able to get later on. And I promise you, the Audric Estimes of the world, if they make a 53, they're probably going to get some touches. So I think the NFL is looking at this class like, man, there's some good size in this class. There's some players that I like. And the good thing is I don't have to spend a top 30 pick on them. I don't have to spend a top 50 pick on those players. I think back into the second round, we'll see one come off the board, but I think we see quite a few on day three on uh, in the third round. And before we dive into the names, there's also uh, it's kind of a perfect storm for looking to gain value in this running back class. Landing spots matter kind of the most when it comes to the running back spot. Um, a guy like it's like sliding doors. A guy like Israel Banacanda is now kind of stuck behind Brees Hall. If he would have landed different, you know, maybe this would have been a story this year where he could have had a four or five game run. Um, but when it comes down to it, there's a couple of really interesting teams that have free agent running backs that could look to just select one in the draft as a replacement. The Los Angeles Chargers, people talk about it a ton uh, because, you know, Austin Eckler's 29, did not play very well the end of last year. They have Greg Roman in the building and Jim Harbaugh seems like the kind of guy that wants his bell cow. There's so many Blake Corum to to the to the Chargers rumors out there. And I think it's a lot of like, you know, fans wishing it. But there's your team, the Dallas Cowboys, Ray, down in Texas. And there's been some rumors that they are going to draft a running back. Would there be a bigger landing spot than Dallas saying, I'm gonna draft one of these guys and this is my new running back, like in all of the NFL right now? I've got well, I've got <sighs> 
I've got three on the list, and I'll be very quick. I think Dallas is definitely one of them, but I also believe that people are still living in Dallas land when Ezekiel Elliott was still there and Tyron Smith was young and Zach Martin was young and they had Travis Frederick at center. This team has changed, man. They want to throw the ball and they're paying Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb to fire the ball all over the field. I like Dallas. I think Miami is an interesting spot as well. I don't know what they're going to do with Raheem Mostert, but Devon Chan is probably not the running back that you want to give the ball to 25 times a game. They probably need somebody else. And I'm going to bet on that situation. I'll throw another one in there. The Rams are another interesting spot that I think would be ve- because Sean McVay has shown through his history. If he has a guy, whomever it is, he's going to ride that guy into the dirt. And Kyron Williams has already been banged up. Like they can't give him 300 plus opportunities again. I think the number one spot, in my opinion, for a running back to land, whether that be rookie or free agent, it's in the AFC North. It's the Baltimore Ravens, and they need one in the worst way. You pair a running back up with Lamar Jackson, that RPO game, with the ascension of Isaiah Likely. You've got Andrews. you got Flowers, some more receiver help. They want to run the ball. I really, really think that is a spot that has been starved of a high-end running back talent. And it's unfortunate that Lamar has, has had to do it without J.K. Dobbins because we saw a few years ago, early in that preseason, what could potentially be from a running back in that situation. I want one of these guys... I actually don't think it's the Chargers, Theo, who go uh, Blake Corum. I think the brother. I think John Harbaugh steals Corum, drafts him to Baltimore, and just pains Jim Harbaugh. I want Blake Corum in Baltimore. I love the Cowboys spot, but I, I, I think it's a little different now. It's just a little bit different in Dallas than what it once was. Baltimore is like my number one spot right now. Well, let's stay with Blake Corum. Um, and, you know, we talked about my one of my comparisons for Blake Corum was Ray Rice, um, on the field, Ray Rice. Um, and I see it a little bit. I've seen other people say, you know, like maybe a, a little bit of Doug Martin in him, which I really like that comparison. But there's others who don't are not enthusiastic about Blake Corum. He's 23 years old. He's an older prospect. I don't care. Uh, I don't care either. But, but uh, you know, I'm just trying to go devil's advocate. Yep. Um, I, I think that the, like the hate is is a little weird. Um, I guess when we talk about unknown upside, which, you know, a guy like Braylon Allen's 19, a guy like Blake Corum's 23. But at the end of the day, Blake Corum went back to Michigan, bet on himself and delivered with one of the best seasons you could ever ask from a collegiate running back. And his team goes 15 and 0 and wins the national title. I couldn't tell you how much Michigan gear I see out on Long Island where I live, where those all these Michigan people who were never Michigan fans until the national championship. Blake Corum basically caused the the merchandise sales to go up probably like 25% this year, at least. Um, but Ray, talk about your thoughts on Blake Corum, where you see him as a prospect, and maybe uh, if you have a comparison. I think he's a good running back, period. I think he's a good running back. Is he special? Nope. Uh, does he have any particular superpower? Probably not. But he does everything that an NFL team probably wants. He can pass block. He can catch the ball. He can run between the tackles. He's bursty. Does he have long speed to rip off 90-yard runs? No. But go look at Ezekiel Elliott's longest runs of his career. I think through the first, like, five years of his career, his longest rush was, like, 35 yards. Longest. So Zeke wasn't ripping off 80-yard touchdown runs. Can you move the chains? Can you protect the football? And can you be where you need to be when you're supposed to be there? Blake Warm satisfies all of those things. He's proven. He's been productive. I've got receipts out there that before he even stepped foot on the field at Michigan, where I said, this kid can play this Blake Quorum kid from wherever he was from. I can't think of where he's from in high school. I was like, this kid can play. These receipts are out there. I think he is a rock solid running back that an NFL team would feel very comfortable with plugging and playing from day one. I think he's just a good, solid running back, man. Virginia. And that's okay. kid, yeah. Virginia kid. Interesting story. Cause he was a Virginia kid kind of middle of nowhere and then played uh, at St. Francis in Baltimore, which was like a powerhouse at the time um, where they had like a big collection of D1 players. Uh, Bill Pogge, who was a former DeMatha coach, goes over to St. Francis, um, and Blake Corum like kind of made a name for himself. There was a really cool documentary on their season um, in Baltimore and what St. Francis was doing. But Blake Corum, like by all accounts, this kid is like a guy that NFL teams are going to love. They're going to love the character. Um, I think he's a kind of a lock to go on day two, just how yep. highly is, is a, is a matter of like the NFL's, you know, deciding it, but here's another one. 
uh, Braylon Allen. I'm high on Braylon Allen, but I feel like it's it's all over the place here. Um, some people view him as a guy who's going to be very impactful in the NFL. Others see him as a guy who's going to fall to day three. I think that it's crazy to me that a 19-year-old would declare for the draft when he has a pretty good thing going at Wisconsin unless there were some assurances that he was going to go on day two. That's just my, my kind of my personal belief. Um, and I do like the profile. You're talking about a guy who's 245 pounds, who has been you know highly productive, over 3,500 yards rushing, over 35 rushing touchdowns this year, caught 28 passes. And again, he's super young. Where are you at on Braylon Allen? Here's can I just say this? I, I think in Dynasty, and we're just talking fantasy football here, right? I think we overvalue the youth a little too much. Like Josh Jacobs is still like 25 years old, and nobody wants him. Can you come in and tote the rock or not? Because the chances are even at 19 that he has a 10, 15 year career because he's 19, 20 or slim to none. What can you do for me this season, the next two years, the next three years? I, I, I just, I don't, the age matters little to me personally. Braylon Allen, the prospect though, he's got a lot of talent, man. He's got the talent. He's got the size. I just wish when I watch somebody as big as he is, there, there's a lack of physicality to his game that's problematic for me. Because if you're going to be that size, you're probably going to be pigeonholed as an early down grinder, somebody that can absorb carries early. And if you're not fit, it's he reminds me a lot of like AJ Dillon. You look at AJ Dillon, he's like, there's games where you're like, dude, you're like 250, run through this guy. What are you doing? I like Braylon Allen. I don't know, Theo. Like, I don't know. And 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 for me, like, I'm not out on him. I'm not overly – I just want to see where he lands. I want to see where he lands because if he's not going to be utilized in a pass-catching role and he's going to be subjected to first, second-down work, I, I just – I don't know how much of that asset I actually want. You've got to be deployed as a pass-catching weapon. And there's a difference, Theo. I've said this for years. There's a difference between a running back that can catch passes and a running back that can be deployed as a pass-catching weapon. I think there's zero chance – on God's green earth, Braylon Allen gets deployed as a pass-catching weapon. Can he catch some dump-offs from time to time? Yes. Is he going to be utilized in that way? I would bet probably not. I, I'm fine with him. Let's see where he goes. I'm not in nor out. I just was a little disappointed. He's not the only one, though. There's a couple of guys that I was very high on coming into this year, and I just left the season very, very disappointed. And he was one of the ones I was just a little disappointed in Braylon Allen. Well, let's talk about the one, probably the most exciting running back in this class, but also coming off of a big injury, and that's Jonathan Brooks from Texas. This is a guy where uh, people are a little critical of where I had him ranked in my running back rankings. I have him right around like running back five, just okay. because I have apprehension with the injury. I'm fully prepared to move him up to RB1, but I want to see the NFL teams draft him and not be scared off by this. It, you know, just being excited about Jonathan Brooks and his talent and his ability as a two-way player. And then the NFL says, you know what, we're going to let him fall to the fifth round or fourth round. That would scare me a lot because with his profile, I want to see him drafted on day two. Is that a fair assessment, Ray? That's fine, Theo. I don't yeah. think you're crazy for that. Like I have him at two right now, but my analysis is, oh, they're going to, they're still going to draft him, Right. And I don't know that, but that's, that's baked into where I have him. I have him in a spot where I don't, I personally don't believe the NFL will shy away from him because of the injury. Now, that very well may be inaccurate. And they may say, ah, we don't want to deal with him. He's a fifth rounder. And if that happens, I will adjust. So for you to have him at five right now, I don't think that's I don't think that's crazy. I think that's a fair, reasonable, rational assessment, probably a little more fair than me just assuming that he's going to get the capital. But if he does, he should be the RB1. He is a, he is, I'm not going to call him a special talent, but I think he can do more pound for pound than any other back in this class entirety. And he would be the one that I, I could see going to the next level and, and probably getting some more of that bell cow. And I'm using air quotes when I say that for those of y'all not watching type opportunity, but it is going to be contingent on the medicals, man. It's going to, but here's the thing, baby. 
I'm, I'm just telling you right now, Theo, death, taxes, and the Dallas Cowboys drafting an injured player in round two. Just go look at their track record. If you got an injury in college, whether it's Jalen Smith, whomever it is, they will find you in the second round and they will draft you. So I think he's going to go on day two. He's a, he's a, he's a really good player, and I'm excited to see uh, what, the, what the capital looks like for Jonathan Brooks. He's a good player. If the Dallas Cowboys select Jonathan Brooks in the second round, he's the fifth pick, uh, the, the number five overall in single QB leagues. I think so. Right behind it. Yeah, I think that that's that's the range right there. So if like Brooks is the guy, if you're like an early best ball drafter, like that's the one to kind of throw a dart at, because if he does finish ahead of consensus and like and is ready for day one of the NFL season and he's drafted by Dallas at the end of, of round two. That could be like RB12 on the season. Uh, he, he he would most likely, I know actually he would, he would out outproduce Tony Pollard, uh, you know, in the yes. exact same role. So uh, that's an interesting one. How about uh, quick quick thoughts on Trey Benson? Because we talk about athletic, you don't really like him. Let's go, let's go, Ray. No, I do. And I got a lot of tweets out there where I was pumping him up to the moon before the season. He is probably the most disappointing player in this class for me. I was very high on Trey Benson. I mean, he's got the requisite size. You see the explosiveness, returning kicks, can catch the ball. And Florida State was good. So I'm trying to understand, like, what the hell happened? Like, there was a good football team, but his production, it just, it he did not seize the opportunity that I thought he had to really cement himself on big stages, on on primetime games to say, I'm the RB1 in this class. I'm the dude that's 6'1", almost 220 pounds, that can run a 4'4 at the combine. I'm the RB1. And he left He left the door open for you to place whomever you want ahead of him. I, I'm not out on anybody. Let me make this clear. I'm not out on any running back. I want any running back on a 53. If you are on an active roster, I don't give a shit who your name. I want you on my squad. I will I will have Trey Benson. But that was the type of cat that I wanted to walk into this offseason, this pre-draft process, saying that's the RB1, move on, let's talk about somebody else. And that's not the case, man. That's not the case. Which running backs that we didn't discuss get you excited right now, Ray? And I'll, I will would like to hear your thoughts on one last guy, Marshawn Lloyd, who had a hell of a senior bowl week. Um, he's steamed up about as high as you can. One of the big senior bowl winners. He's now, some people are talking about him as their potential RB1 in this class now. <laughs> oh, man. It's just, you got to just throw somebody up there, right? So let me just throw something at a wall. I mean, he's not the, stop it. Stop. Whoever that is, cut it out. And I'm you. USC Trojans homer numero uno right here. Marshawn Lloyd's a good player, but he, no, he's not RB1. Gets me excited. I'll be quick. Um, I'll throw a name out there that nobody's talking about, and I, I still want to see how the medicals clear up because the foot injury is concerning, and I just don't like dealing with foot injuries in fantasy football. Dylan Johnson out of Washington, nobody's talking about him. He's got a lot of talent. The receiving profile, the rushing production, it's all there for Dylan Johnson. So I want to make sure that the medicals are clear. Dylan Johnson gets me a little, gets me a little, and he's going dead late. I mean, you can get him in the 20th round, an underdog. Uh, Bucky Irving is another one because of today's NFL. His ability to affect the game, both between the tackles and as a pass catcher, gets me a little bit excited. And Ray Davis out of Kentucky, yeah. producer in the SEC, 220 pounds. He's a bowling ball. I saw him in person. I mean, he is two of me side-by-side side wide. He is a big, menacing guy that can catch the ball and, and rush between the tackles. And the last one I think people are sleeping on just a tad bit, and I'll be excited to see how the NFL values him, is Will Shipley out of Clemson. I know he's a white running back, so we got to comp him to Danny Woodhead, got to comp him to Christian McCaffrey and these guys. But his ability too to be an effective between the tackles rusher, you're not, you're never going to ask Will Shipley to be your primary ball carrier, but he can play on third downs. He can be deployed as a what pass catching weapon in the receiving game. So uh, there's a common theme between the running backs that I just named. All of them can be deployed as pass catching weapons. Uh, Ray Davis, maybe not a weapon. He's more of a running back that can catch passes, but Bucky Irving, Dylan Johnson, and Will Shipley have the receiving chops to go out there and get you 50, 60 catches in a season. So those are 
those are three Cody Schrader. I was a little impressed by at the senior bowl, but the landing spot, Theo, I've got landing spot is going to be everything. It's going to be a lot this year. It's going to be a lot. Shipley's an interesting one because there's no hype, but we're talking about a guy who was on the field as a freshman at Clemson, uh, a big time receiver and a guy who's very, very good in the screen game. And I think when it's all said and done, somebody's going to take Will Shipley in like the fourth round of the NFL draft. I don't think he's going to slide. Um, so that's a, that's a really interesting name out there because no buzz. Nobody wants to pound the table None. for him. And it's kind of prospect fatigue a little bit on him too because people were into him when he was young. Um, and now all he does is to like keep catching passes at Clemson. He'll have a role in the NFL. But I want to talk to you about the wide receiver class because first of all, like, well, every podcast in America is talking about Marvin Harrison Jr., Marvin Harrison Jr., um, which is warranted. But the question that I have for everybody when they come in here is, how close is Malik Neighbors to Marvin Harrison Jr. in terms of a truly elite wide receiver prospect? Very. Say it, As Ray. You like him more. Say at, it, you at, like no, him more. I, I'll say this. I do not like him more, but I think his razor thin between them as football players. Here's where there is a gap in the perceived dynasty value. And I call it ADV, artificial dynasty value. I think the dynasty community believes there's a, a Grand Canyon size gap between Marv and everybody else when on tape and what they can do and what they offer their skill set on an NFL field, I think it's very close. I think it's very close. And if we remove that name on the back of that jersey, and his name was Todd Jones, Steven, Steven Jackson, who met, not Marvin Harrison Jr., I think the way that Dynasty community would play this is, man, LSU, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, probably equally as explosive. I think most of the Dynasty community would have Malik Davis as, as wide receiver one. But there is value in the artificial value of Marvin Harrison Jr. and the security that that name brings your fantasy roster. So I think there's a gap in value, but I don't think the talent gap on on-field production is as wide as people want to want to believe. Very fair. And I think at the end of the day, you can love both of them. And yes. I, the one the one thing you said about the gap, like I think right now, if you're in a single QB league, overpaying for the 102, I did it last year a lot, where this time of year I would overpay for the 102. We had a lack of clarity on where Jameer Gibbs was going to go. But I think at the end of the day, that 102 is just going to increase in value and increase in value and increase in value uh, right, you know, all the way up to rookie draft season. So overpay, get your 102s. It's much easier than getting your 101s. And you might have a, you know, pretty similar result. Five years from now, if we're sitting in this chair and we say Malik Neighbors has outscored Marvin Harrison Jr. in total fantasy points over the last five years, I mean, you're not batting an eye. He's that good a player. Uh your quick thoughts on Roma Dunze. How is he a clear cut wide receiver three in this class for you, Ray? Yeah, I think so. I, okay, I think so. Sure. Rome, Rome's a good player. Rome's a very good player. I think there's a little bit of a gap between neighbors and Harrison, but Rome's a good player. If if I were to tier it, uh, he'd be in the same tier as those guys. He'd be the one C in the class, is what I've been saying. But you could put him in a tier of his own. But I think Rome is Rome is a very talented, talented, talented player. And he's got some special ball skills. Uh, very physical at the catch point, solid producer. You know, the offenses, man, these college offenses are a little gimmicky at times. So there will be some questions like that scheme. You had three receivers who are probably, Theo, going to be selected inside the top 150 when you talk about Jalen McMillan as well. And then you got Dylan Johnson there and Penix. There'll be some questions there. But I think Roma Dunze is, is, a, is a rock-solid NFL pro. I mean, Kellen DeBoer is just like <laughs> – what this guy has done there, the most impressive thing I think I've ever seen a head coach do is not get like Roma Dunze and, and McMillan and Penix and all these Dylan Johnson, all these guys into the NFL and then go from Washington to Alabama. But Alabama has now promoted his tight end coach last year at Washington as their offensive coordinator. And people are not like riding in the streets of the SEC. That's crazy to me that you were the <laughs> tight end coach at Washington last year, and now you're the offensive coordinator at Alabama where, like, you know, Steve Sarkeesian and Bill O'Brien and all these guys. It's crazy. Wild, wild times. It's crazy. Um, but that's a whole other story. I, I tell you what, 
you better win next year if you're going to make that guy your offensive coordinator in year one at Alabama. You better win 11 games because they're not going to put up with that down there. Um, mm -mm. But there's a wide receiver that's getting you super, super, super excited. Um, when I asked you your flag plants, you gave me one name. Who is that, Ray? It is a wide receiver uh, from the Big Ten. It is Roman Wilson. He is my flag plant rookie. And before we did this show, I just I was working out in the gym and I just put on some his season highlights. Like I just want to wait. There's a 23 minute video of him because I was like, I'm gonna get on here. I'm gonna talk about him. I just want to watch him while I'm working out. And the one thing that just stands out to me when I look at Xavier Worthy, just looking at him, he's like one dimensional. He does he does something very very well. He's a he's a he's a field stretcher with with crazy speed. Troy Franklin, in my opinion, he's a downfield vertical field stretcher. Roman Wilson's ability to win in all three quadrants. They run short intermediate stuff with him. Uh, he can run the dig routes across the middle of the field, and then my dog can go deep. And he is very very good, Theo. I love it. I have him. I, 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 this may sound hot take. I've got him as five right now. I think this is the type of player that's going to go to an NFL offense. The learning curve is going to be very small for him. And we can't, on one hand, pump up J.J. McCarthy to the moon and then look at the receivers and be like, well, they didn't produce. Well, they didn't have the opportunity to produce because they didn't throw the damn ball at Michigan. But when I just look at his ability and how he wins, it's not gimmicky. It's not with low dot passes. It's not with just deep shots. He is winning in all three quadrants of the wide receiving playing field, man. He can do it in the short game. He can take those handoffs. He's good on special teams. He can run the dig routes in the, in, in, on the intermediate side of the field, and he can take the top off of a defense. I still don't think people have caught up enough to where the NFL is probably going to value him, but if I had to like flag plant one guy right now, it really should be Malik Neighbors because I've been pumping him up for two and a half years now. But that's that's neither here nor there. Everybody knows Neighbors is you good. Can't now. Flag plant, you can't flag plant a top I, five guy. I, in, I can't do NFL that. Draft. But I can damn sure flag plant Roman Wilson as my wide receiver five right now. I love it. I love the enthusiasm and the aggressiveness with him. I have him like around wide receiver 10. But yeah. I have all these smart people in my ear trying to open my eyes up to Roman Wilson a little higher. I'll say like we just saw Nico Collins who came out of Michigan and had a huge season, not a whole lot of production. Roman Wilson was obviously playing in a run first and run second offense, uh, made some big plays in the college football playoff. But I think what's super interesting about him is he's going to fly. Like when it comes down to all the, all the, 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 the testing down in Indianapolis, there's rumors that he could be like an all-timer in the shuttle and he's going to run very, very low four threes. So he's going to test it well athletically. And he had an unbelievable senior bowl, which has been like an indication of NFL teams always love when these guys perform well down in Mobile. And Roman Wilson was like arguably the biggest winner there. Where do you see him ending up when it comes down to it on draft night? Is he a guy that could sneak into the back end of the first? You think he's a second round pick? Where Absolutely. do you see him? I, I I see him, if I had to peg him now and put my betting money on him, he's inside the top 64, so he's going to be a six, uh, second-round pick at worst. But I do think there are teams probably picking at the back of the first round. And you've got to uh, – here's one thing I need people to understand about wide receiver. Theo, I can guarantee you on NFL draft boards, even though these two players play the same position, they're not viewed as the same. Malachi Corley and Xavier Leggett, Johnny Wilson – and Lad McConkey, Roman Wilson and Marvin, they don't, they're not, they may play wide receiver, but how they fit on a particular team is totally different. And that's what makes ranking so tough because it's like, well, you have him over that, but the landing spot in the usage of the player is going to be team specific. I think there is a real world chance where he lands in the back of the first and think about what the, what's already there. Let's just for fun, because everybody's doing it, Kansas city. He is counter to what they already have. He is not Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice, you can get him the ball, two-yard screen play. You know Yak. He's one of the highest Yak guys in the NFL this past season. They don't do the same thing. Roman Wilson would be able to do some of the things that, that coexist and, and help and, and help highlight the other things that those Kansas City wide receivers do. So when I'm when I'm looking at these guys, it's truly – not just the fact that I like Roman Wilson, 
but he is, in my opinion, one of the more complete wide receiver prospects because he can win short, he can win intermediate, and he can take the top off of the defense. There aren't a lot of guys in the class that you can confidently say going into the draft can do that. That's not Malachi Corley. That's, that's no knock on Corley, but that's not Lad McConkey. That's not Troy Franklin. It's He is one of the few in this class that can truly do those things and have put that stuff on wax. So I think, uh, you know, Hopium pie in the sky, he sneaks in the back of the first round, but I think he's going to end up as a top 64 pick and be selected in the second round of the NFL draft. I, I love it. I love the conviction. Who is your wide receiver for right now, right? Brian Thomas Jr. Okay, we're, we're in lockstep there. Thomas Jr. for me is like right in that 4-5 range. Love him. Quietest 17 touchdown season in the history of 17 yeah. touchdown seasons like nobody even know, knows it because his name is brian thomas i'm telling it's because his name is is not sexy man it's not i'm just telling you it ain't just brian thomas and he just the guy that played next to malik neighbors just like Jalen polk is the guy that played next to romo dunze like he's a good player he's a good player you actually you're onto something because when it comes to lsu wide receivers he might have the most boring name in the history of them jamar chase Odell Beckham, Malik Neighbors, and now some guy named named Brian Thomas. But yeah, there you go. That that boring Justin Jefferson. Ah, yeah, yeah. What did that guy do? Yeah, um, uh, so let's quickly get your uh, tight end one. Brock Bowers. Don't need to drive into him. Tight end two. You're on Jatavian Sanders. Tight end two. Correct. Don't need to talk about. Correct. It. Okay, so this one's interesting because people. If I ask ten people, I might get eight different answers. Who is your tight end three in this class? And you got to give one. I, I joke with Jack's, our friend Jax Falcone about this. Nowadays, you get get the people who don't want to take a stand. You got to take a stand here. And I'll say mine uh, is Theo Johnson. Theo Johnson is my tight end three because we need more Theos in the NFL. And I think he's going to get the draft capital with the athleticism and the size out of Penn State. A couple of interesting players. Not a great after Sanders, though. I've got Cade Stover as three out of Ohio State. I think he's fine. I, I just, Theo, it, I thought it would be Jaheim Bell until I saw him in person. I'm like, ah, I don't know. You're eye, eye to eye, you're eye to eye with him. You can't. Be I'm eye, and I'm not a big guy, and I'm looking like I don't know, man. And then he just wasn't as fast as I thought he would be. You're not going to put him in line. Theo Johnson had. Theo Johnson's a name that's been in the Debbie streets for some time, and you know the athleticism is there, and you always wondered why things just couldn't get put together, but. Another show for another day. I think James Franklin's part of the problem there. I, I, I'll just say this. I hope you got your tight end last year. I hope yeah. you got your tight. I, if Tucker Craft was in here, he'd be the three. Like It'd be Tucker Craft. It'd be JT Sanders, then Tucker Craft. I mean, m there's no Musgraves. There's no Crafts. I mean, I hope you get your tight end in 2023. And you actually bring up an interesting concept of a dynasty re-roll which if you listen to like Dynasty Trades in Five, you listen to Ray, you know, uh, you know, re-rolling a pick, uh, trading a guy like Tucker Craft this year, this is a guy that you could potentially dangle uh, as a way to entry into this draft class because a lot of tight end needy Dynasty teams are not going to have options they want to go with. And there's also a chance that like after Sanders, you have to wait like 25, 30 picks for the next tight end to be selected. So I don't know. Some will always go on in the third round, but right now we're kind of like hoping and wishing our guys go there. Uh, definitely, definitely the least fun position to talk about when you get past Sanders, though, in this in this class as a tight end spot. Um, quickly, your your quarterback four in this class. QB four. Who do I? Have? Oh, it's JJ McCarthy. JJ okay. McCarthy. Yeah, JJ. Easy, easily, and easily. Your, and your enthusiasm for JJ McCarthy, the level that you see him, like, because he's young, so we're gonna have to wait for him. If we use a rookie of uh, a first round. Superflex rookie pick on J.J. McCarthy. I don't know if we necessarily get starts his rookie year. Do you disagree on that? I, I hope we don't. I hope yeah. we don't. Um, but the likelihood, man, I think 60-some-odd quarterbacks took starts, took snaps as a starter this past season. He's probably going to play, right? A lot of these guys. I think we're going to see Knicks on the field. We're going to see Penix. I think the Green Bay Packers reminded the whole world that it's okay for a player not to play year one and things could work out well with Jordan Love. I like J.J. McCarthy a lot. Um, I've got a couple of comps for him, a high-end one and more of a realistic one for him, but I think um, there's something to the fact that he he has won in college. And I also am 
am aware that he had the best running back in college, the best offensive line in college, the best defense in college. So he probably just didn't have to do a lot. But I've asked a lot of people, Theo. I said, what is it? Did Michigan truly not believe he was capable of throwing the ball a lot? Or did they truly just not need him to do it? And everybody that I've talked to says that's the million-dollar question. Nobody really knows. But I, I like J.J. McCarthy quite a bit. I am a big fan of his game. Um, he's got dual-threat capability. Not necessarily a high-end rusher, but he's he's more than a statue quarterback. Big arm. I like his, his calm, cool, collective nature. A big fan of J.J. McCarthy. He's clearly my QB4 in this class. I love it. And I think that there's a lot of people starting to get behind that. Do you think we see him selected in the top 15 of the NFL draft? I don't know, man. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like he's probably – he should be in those that, that, mid, that early 20s to mid-20s range. But here's the thing. There's about like nine teams picking inside the top 16 that need a quarterback, and you can't penny-pinch around with that. So I think by, by product of just – need he's probably going to go in that range but i think he probably should be like a 20s pick but i i do think he's probably going to get that top 16 draft capital i i love it i love it um i think that it's we really like that would be one that we kind of need for our super flex rookie drafts where if we can get him getting that draft capital and jj mccarthy lands in a good situation then it's okay we can draft him and we'll hope he's on the jordan love path and we have something really big in year two uh, Ray, you've been super generous with your time. Uh, before we get you out of here, I want you to lay your current top 12 dynasty uh, rookie rankings for this class. All right, you can go top five if you don't want to give them the full 12. I, I'm going to go I'm gonna go top, well, t- top five, everybody kind of knows that. I mean, okay. in, in single quarterback, it's, it's Marv, it's Malik, it's Odunze. If a running back is selected in that second round, I think you can plop him in as five. And then I think four, it's it's um, Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU. Superflex, it's a little more interesting because I, I push, I challenge you, Theo. If J.J. McCarthy, if a team trades up, takes him at 12, takes him at eight, takes him at... Right now, you're, you're able to pick him up at the 110, 111 spot. I mean, does that push him into the top five? Does that Does that... Are you taking Brian Thomas Jr., uh, whomever it is, Roman Wilson, your wide receiver 4-5, are you taking him over J.J. McCarthy, the top 15 pick in the NFL draft? Are you doing that? Because I think he's – I feel like you got to put him in there. I I think that it all depends on your roster because I think he's the guy that you have to sit for a year. And if I'm spending that kind of of rookie draft capital, I want points out of the guy. Um, And I'll say, like, for me, I think my top seven – in Superflex is there. Uh, the big three wide receivers, I have Brock Bowers in there, uh, and then the big three quarterbacks. I think it's really would be difficult to break into my top seven, but I think JJ, I'm I'm I am fully uh like in on JJ McCarthy as my 108. If he lands very, very well and he gets that sort of draft capital, then I'll take him at 108 over guys I like like Brian Thomas, guys I like like Troy Franklin and whoever the RB1 ends up being in this draft class. I think that's about fair, but I don't want to get like com- completely twisted and turned around uh, based on what happens uh, in a three-day span when I've been kind of evaluating Let me give guys. you one to put some fire to you. Atlanta takes him at eight, and he's in Atlanta, and all they have is like some quarterback that you know good and damn well ain't going to be the starter. In Atlanta, with those weapons, with Zach Robinson, Atlanta takes him at eight. Does he crack? Theo Griminger's top seven. I think he would have to. And, and that's the scenario we actually brought up uh, with, with Josh yesterday that like you see Jacoby Brissett as like a placeholder and then or Ryan Tannehill as a placeholder and then McCarthy takes over um, and he's got Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson and, and a rational coach, uh, yes. you know, you know, so I, 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 okay, fine. I'll capitulate. A 107, he's got the beat, but I'm not. He never, he's never cracking my top six, Ray. Ray, let yeah. everybody know. Let everybody know where they can find you because this was so much fun today. But I told you less than an hour. I'm Thank trying you. to keep these shows an hour. I, you know, I, I keep dragging people out, but I, I could talk with you all day. This was that much fun. 
I, I, me too, dude. I mean, I, you said it's over, and I'm like, man, I'm just getting warmed up, baby. We got, we didn't talk about Spencer Rattler. We didn't talk about any of these guys. I want to talk about him, but thank you, Theo, for your time. Um, y'all know where to find me at Ray GQ. That's Q U E on YouTube, on Twitter, on X. Uh, check out all the content. We got dope content creators. DestinationDevy.com doing a lot of good stuff. Shout out to Connor and Brandon and Jay Rich and Gene and Ike and Cody and Chase and the whole squad over there. So thank you for having me on. Let me share some of the platform with you, Theo. It's always a good time, my friend. And I want to give a quick shout out, Ray, to my hardworking producer, the best in the business, JR, active in the chat. He's doing such a good job over here at Player Profiler. I want to give Jay a big shout. And uh, I've got uh, a bunch more of these Dynasty Lives coming up. I've got Shane from Dynasty Trades in 5. I've got Ian Miller coming back on. I'm going to be dropping shows like this pretty much every single week. Um, we're, we're here. This is Dynasty time, everybody. Super Bowl's over. Time to get serious. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.